0: Hey y'all, I'm Jen Leah, and this is my brand new podcast, bringing you real-life stories from up-and-coming female artists of all genres. If you want more than the mainstream, you've come to the right place. This is Women in Stereo. Hey y'all, I'm Jen Leah. Welcome to episode two of the Women in Stereo podcast. Um, I have some cool stuff for you today. I'm not going to do a huge intro because I have two really um, awesome guests and I just want to kind of dive in and get into it. The first of which will be introduced as part of a new segment to my podcast which will be aimed at giving tips and tricks to artists from music industry leaders such as A&R, managers, record label heads who have and valuable information to share with y'all. And I know a large part of my following is um, like musicians and artists, so I know it's gonna be really cool. My second guest is this amazing lady named Bianca um, that I'd love for everybody to get to know. She is a hip hop slash R&B slash whatever she wants to be, artist out of the Bronx, New York. She's really sweet and genuine. I really loved our conversation. Um, You'll get to know her, you'll get to know about her music. Um, We also touch on some important topics like Black Lives Matter, um, quarantine of course, and how artists are being treated in the record label industry in 2020. So let's get started. First up is a good friend of mine, Jason Geisinger. He is a professional tour manager. He has worked for Live Nation as a logistics representative. He um, has been on huge tours, such as Rihanna and Ally and AJ, and he is also the CEO and founder of A12 Industries. He's going to share some tips for us about how to prepare for a tour, how to budget for a tour, um, which is going to be great for like a smaller band who's just getting into the business of touring, or maybe even a mid-level band or a bigger band who want to brush up on some tips. Um, I know touring is at a screeching halt right now, but they say it could be back, live shows, could be back as soon as October, here's hoping, as long as we can do it in a safe way, so um, planning ahead is definitely good, and it's something that you can definitely start doing as early as now. I know a lot of you are just itching and dying to get back out there, and I'm dying to watch y'all out there, so hopefully this information reaches you, and hopefully it is helpful, so here's Jason, take it away.
1: Hi everyone, this is uh, Jason Geisinger. I'm the president of A12 Industries, based here in Washington, DC. And I am a professional tour manager and concert producer. My good friend Jen over at Women in Stereo asked me to come on and talk to you guys um, about how to kind of go through uh, the touring process and start your touring business, maybe give you a couple of tips or how to make it run a little more efficiently along with what I do uh, for my job, and we'll start with that. So, as mentioned, I'm a professional tour manager, and what that means, and I guess the best way to explain it, an analogy, is I am the captain of a ship, Um, and it's my job to, and I oversee the tour, to make sure it goes from city to city safely, efficiently, in a cost-effective way, and we are making the fans really happy by giving them a great show um i wear a lot of hats in my position Um, i'm an accountant i'm the one who does all the budgets Um, i'm the one who handles the money i settle the shows at the end of the night Um, i make the deposits i talk with the business manager Um, i am the travel agent i'm the one who books all the hotels i'm probably chartering the buses uh, chartering the planes if needed or uh, or vans or any type of kind of transportation or or hotel or lodging that might be necessary okay so I guess the best way to start this out if you're watching this the way we'll do this is that you're an artist and you've never toured before uh, or have done very limited touring and you're looking how to kind of start up um, and, and get your business going and uh, so we'll start with that that end of, of the spectrum and we'll go from there um, the uh, this could be the most daunting which is pre-production this could be the most daunting and overwhelming task to do and um, So basically your first step is, well, obviously you've had this idea, okay, maybe you've come out with an album, an EP, whatever it is, or you just want to go and do some shows. Uh, You've decided that you're going to go on the road. So what's the first thing you do? Well, the first thing you do is you make a budget because obviously money is what makes the world go around. This is a business. Um, And, and, you know, first of all, don't ever fool yourself into thinking that this isn't a business because that will hurt you. And bring you much disappointment later on um so yeah so the first thing you got to do is kind of think about your budget for this thing and the first step is assuming you don't have an agent you got to kind of picture in your mind uh how you want your tour to be routed which means literally what's the order of shows or the cities and markets you're going to hit um my suggestion is if you're um touring with let's say you and a band or In a van and you're doing the driving or you have some friends coming with you to help you out um, i would make sure that you pick your venues and your cities that are probably no more than 250 miles apart uh, on back-to-back shows and definitely no more than five or 600 miles apart uh, if you have a travel day Um, the last thing you want to do is not make a show um, because you just weren't actually able to get there uh, or even worse, you don't want to be drain yourself, which could endanger your safety. Uh, and then if you show up at a show tired, you can put on a crappy performance and no one wants that. So that's the first step is kind of mapping this whole thing out. So let's say you've mapped it out. You have your dream tour of uh, your 12 markets or 20 markets, whatever it may be. The next step to do is to figure out the actual mile, mileage you think you're going to be driving. Now, remember, this is just a kind of a first draft, so this will change and evolve along the way on uh, as, as you keep working on this. Um, so I just do something really simple to start, which is A, first of all, spreadsheets are gonna be your best friend. And this is where the not so glamorous part of touring is. Uh, this is. This is literally office work and administrative work. So you're gonna start and you're gonna have a spreadsheet. Uh, it's gonna list all those cities you want and then usually what I do next to it is I put the mileage um, from city to city in the next column over um, you know and assuming you're not gonna start uh, your your tour in your home city maybe you will um, so that first one will be what's called deadhead which is the drive that you need to get to to your first show um, normally that's a that's a bus term that's what it's called like when the bus comes from the um, when it comes from the yard, usually Nashville or in Phoenix or you know wherever it is, that's the the distance. That's what's the distance to from that to your first show is called the deadhead, where you can meet the bus. In this case, we're going to consider it to be um, for your hometown to your first show, um, and just you. That will be your what's called your deadhead drive. So you know you want to count that in, and then you just want to go down through the cities. Um, and you can do this without knowing your venues yet, and just go through Google Maps and map the whole thing out. And it's pretty good on giving you uh, the basic mileage uh, for what you uh, for what you'll be doing. Um, you know, so let's say just to pick a number, your tour ends up being ten thousand miles, which surprisingly is easy. You're like, oh well, the U.S. is is you know two two and a half thousand miles across. How can I go ten thousand miles? Because when you're in a tour the tour routes either usually end up in a circle, which right there alone, you know, could be close to five thousand miles. But a lot of tours do this across the U.S. You go up and down, up and down, up and down. And I think the max I've ever mileage-wise I've done on a tour is close to actually seventy thousand miles. I'm sure maybe I've maybe done more, but um, that's that's what I can think of right now. But you're going to take that mileage, you're going to total up that final number, and then what you're going to do next is you're going to make a decision on what your appropriate Touring vehicle is going to be and this could be a little tough because you may not know exactly um, How many people you're bringing with you what equipment you're bringing with you. So basically what you want to do is kind of just imagine For right now you want to do like your dream tour So let's say okay a realistic dream tour So so, you know, it's gonna be you and let's say you have a three-piece band So that's four and then you got your instruments Maybe you'll have your friend come along as a merch person or a sound guy or whatever um, you know, so then what you're going to do is you're going to say, well, what do I fit in that? And you're, you're probably going to be like a, a 16 passenger van, uh, we'll, will do the trick. So what you want to do is then look up, you know, your 16 passenger van rental, what's it going to cost? And more important than that, it, well, that's, that's pretty important, but something else that's equally as important is you want to see what kind of gas it takes um, and how large and how many miles you can get off a of said tank because what you're going to do is you're going to assume You know, you're let's just say you're filling up with regular regular gasoline um, You need to get a fuel cost and So you need to figure out uh, What your fuel cost is per mile and how much total fuel you're going to need and what that's going to cost you And that will give you kind of an idea of your basic transportation cost which is usually a um, one of the biggest costs on a tour, and that can keep someone on or off the road. Um, if you're just doing, looking to do a couple of shows, and it's just you, you may even wanna look for cheap flights. Sometimes, shockingly, that can be uh, an answer. If you're just looking to do five shows in random places, sometimes you can get you know, a, a flight deal that will probably be cheaper and, and better than driving. Um, so there's that. So let's say transportation is roughly done. Okay, so then what you're gonna do is you're gonna decide how many people are on the road with you. Uh, is it your band? Probably, so let's say there's four of you again. And then you're gonna to go to see, well, am I gonna bring a merch person? Okay, I'm bringing a merch person. Maybe, we'll probably use a house sound guy, unless you've got a friend who can do the sound guy. Now let's assume that you and your band are just kind of doing this to make money with what you're bringing in but your friend may not be, he may be like, look, I need $200 a week, you know, hopefully he's a good friend. Normally it would not be nearly that cheap. Or a sound guy is, I need 500. Um, Again, that's, 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 you know, entry level crew guys costing that, very entry level. Um, But they're friends of yours, so you need to go, okay, you're gonna give them that amount a week or per show, you need to add up their salaries. for, and, and do it by the week on how many weeks you intend to be out um, to get a rough crew cost or salary cost. Um, are you going to give per diems? If you are, usually, you know, on a tour that's, that's this side, like on the low side, it might be $15 a day. Um, usually the average is 35 25 to $35 a day. But at this point, you may not even be giving per diems, which is, again, okay, if that's what the situation kind of evolves into being. Um, but you need to get those costs and you need to, Uh, count them in to what you're making um, and to what you need to do to kind of get your the idea cost of of staffing Um, and then from there once you have an idea about how many people you're gonna have who you know uh, a more closer number you're gonna go and you're gonna start to say okay well where are we gonna stay Um, you're gonna need to get hotels so are you gonna share rooms or is everyone going to get their own room? You're probably gonna share. And honestly, if you're just going out, you're probably gonna cram everybody in one room. But let's say you're putting two people to a room. You know, you have six people, that's three rooms. What's your average spend per night on a hotel? $100 per room, um, whatever it is, you can add that up X amount of dates. That will give your idea for this. Um, so you have that taken care of, you have your fuel, you have your transportation costs. Um, you got to look for any other costs that may come up. Because you got to think about, okay, that's great that I kind of can do this now. Um, you know, well, that's great. I got my crew costs, my transportation, hotel. What else do I need? Well, there's other things like, do you need to rent gear? Or is there an instrument you're, you don't own or a sound system or a board that you need? Um, that means you got to haul it with you because it's not always – going to be the case that a venue is going to have it again at this point the lo- the smaller you are the less you're going to need which is good the, the more larger an act gets the more that that kind of um, that, that list grows so but you also have to think and something I recommend uh, doing uh, is getting insurance for yourself uh, the last thing you want to do is be in a situation um, that probably won't happen but you never can be too sure where you are um, uh, playing a gig and someone slips, or let's say you threw a water bottle out, or even if you accidentally dropped it, and someone slips and they decide to sue you, uh, you just wanna make sure you're protected. So you wanna get a general liability insurance. And that goes to another issue, or, or kind of brings up another topic, a bit of of incorporating your band as an official business. Um, you know, you can do it as uh, this is your touring leg, so maybe you can call it band, touring band LLC, whatever you want. You, know, you may have another account for your business, for your, your actual records and, and whatever, but that's another safety layer to protect you from anybody when you're contracting to do a show, going after you and your personal assets. Um, if you are operating under an LA, LLC, an agreement is between the club, venue, or whoever it is with the LLC, not you personally. Um, now, is that foolproof? No, but uh, it doesn't help a lot. So I would do that and make sure you have an LLC or a company or an incorporate or a corporation uh, and uh, make sure you're looking at getting general liability insurance. So there's costs for that. Um, the next cost that could be is just um, you know, you want to put money aside for emergencies, uh, medical emergencies, uh, repairs to the touring vehicle, repairs to your instruments, um, miscellaneous costs. and. The best way is is to just go through an itemized list of what you think you'll need i know i always budget in for medical costs um i always budget in for unforeseen repairs extra fuel um just general things that you'll have to spend money on tips um things like that Uh, if you need if you're doing a fly date additional car rentals additional rehearsal spaces um that's that's pretty much um what you'll have in your budget. Uh, then once you get done, this whole thing in this first draft is what a lot of us call either the, uh, we call it the wake up sheet or the wake up call or the reality check because um, on a level, if you're dealing with a manager um, who's really, you know they're like El Capitan of the whole operation, the, the president, so to, to make that analogy, uh, they make the final decisions. Um, we call it that because they say they wanna go on tour And this is the sheet that they'll see the first draft where they're like, uh, this is the number. And you say, yep, it's a reality check. They realize it. it's going to be more expensive than they definitely initially thought. And this is going to be more expensive than you initially thought. It's people don't realize how much it costs and even just startup costs to go on the road. Um, so yeah, so, so definitely this is the beginning. Now the good news is, um, is this will refine, but these are your target. You've given yourself target numbers. what you want to hit in terms of negotiating things that you may need Um, you know just remember the longer the tour uh, the more money it's going to cost Um, you know the the more you have the more complicated it is so the more things can break and um, yeah it's just kind of uh, it's kind of the first draft so but you've given yourself a base so after that once you once you do that uh, you have that going and the other thing that the, the cost in this sheet is gonna give you is, you can go ahead and divide this up by how many shows you're doing or plan on doing, and it will tell you what you need to make each show to make this all happen. So you will get your total number, you'll, you'll divide it by the amount of shows you have, whether or not that's, you know, that could be 10, 12, whatever it is, um, you'll be able to, to know what you need to keep, you know, to keep your, make your nut back. So, um, yeah, so that's pretty much it at the beginning, uh, pre-tour, you know, and for, for, for a basic thing, again, as your career grows and you start playing bigger rooms and, and doing, um, bigger shows, you know, that's great, but just remember things will get more complicated, more people get involved, more deal points come up. Um, so this is the real basic, if you wanted to just go out with your friends and do a run in a van. Um, you know, your biggest cost and the shocking one is, is the transportation cost probably followed by hotel and then salary. Um, people kind of, kind of get, you know, um, afraid when they see that and it's, it's a very intimidating number. Um, but you know, is it going to be that number? No, your goal is to try and make it less than that number. Um, but it will give you your baseline. And then also remember there's other costs too that you may or may not have. Um, but usually they're good kind of secondary income streams like merch uh, you can make a lot of money on merch the average deal for that is usually 80 20 but in the kind of new norm it might go down to 70 30 being you with the higher number uh, the venue taking the other part um, but you know making sure you know you have merch and what one of those costs it's, you know you don't just someone doesn't just or, you know, ask for a shirt and then you just give it to them, that shirt costs something. And then when you're ordering a hundred, a run of a hundred of those shirts uh, and then three different sizes, I mean, that adds up. So you got to count that into a starting cost. Um, so, you know, that's another miscellaneous cost to uh, talk about. So, but yeah, that, that should give you a good start on if you're thinking about going on the road, um, where things will go from there. Um, you know, Try and do all that. Try your best to stay to the number you've given yourself. But don't become wishy-washy and think that, you know, um, you can do it without, you know, cutting costs here or there. I mean, sometimes you can if it's a minor thing. But really the last thing you want is to be stuck out in the middle of nowhere realizing you have no money, you're low on gas, um, and you can't make your shows. Uh, that That is bad. Um, you know, for several reasons, uh, and it can happen a lot of places and you can get really stuck and get into real trouble quick. So, um, make sure you do this pre-production, uh, and your, your, you know, uh, legwork before you even kind of start and go from there. But once you have this done, uh, you can kind of go and then you can contact the venues and this market you planned out and, you know, refine things up maybe you'll be doing less shows maybe you will doing more um you know which will change the cost but you, you'll get you'll get the idea you have a baseline so uh yeah so that's cool so in the next little uh segment of this we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about um we're going to talk about hitting the road and and some things you may encounter on the road and 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 how to actually get the tour started and and get it done So, great. Um, Thanks a lot, and I'll uh, I'll talk to you guys soon.
0: Okay, thank you, Jason. Those were some amazing tips. I hope you can come back and uh, do part two for us after touring gets going. Um, So, my next guest is Bianca. Um, I'm going to jump right into it. I just wanted to check in with y'all and say hello before I do that. So, here we go. All right, so the first thing that I like to ask people, um, because my site's all about introducing people to new artists and getting to know them so who are you what's your story So, oh, first of all my name is bianca
2: it's spelled B. A. N. K. H. A. it's a different mm-hmm. kind of spelling um i'm 22 years old i'm a singer songwriter from the bronx i have music just about everywhere apple music spotify soundcloud everything so you can just look me up and find me there anywhere but um I don't really box myself into like a genre I really just I kind of dibble and dabble into different kind of things so that's why I just label myself as a singer songwriter (laughs) so I don't get boxed into like any kind of category I kind of want to do it all.
0: Yeah that's really cool I noticed that I was listening to your album today and um I first listened to it when I first featured you like back when Women in Stereo first started and it's really hard for me to continue listening to artists just because I'm always trying to discover new artists and I'm always listening to new albums but the one thing I noticed is I kept coming back to yours and wanting to um re-listen so thank you yeah so that album which came out in uh I think 2018 it's called life for people who don't know um but yeah that was a few years ago do you have any plans to Um, release another full length anytime soon? I've been,
2: I don't have a big body of work coming out soon because I kind of want to personally wait till I have a little bit more backing in order to push that the right, you know, the right marketing way that I want to. Mm -hmm. But um, besides that, I have released uh, singles. I've released a single called Bad Bitch that's out uh, since that album. I've released actually a mini project during the beginning of the quarantine, which was about like two months ago. It's actually only available on Bandcamp. So I Mm -hmm. have the link. You can purchase that. Yeah. It's $5 for it. And there's four (laughs) songs up there. And that's what I did during the quarantine. Um, Recently, I also dropped another single called Bad Habits, which is out everywhere. That's on Apple Music, SoundCloud. every Yeah. Mm -hmm. Besides that, my next step, I'm most likely going to continue with the singles. until I feel like I've gotten to a place where I got the backing for a big project. So definitely coming out with a video, that's the next thing. That's mm-hmm. the next big thing. And then after that, most likely pushing singles.
0: Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I did notice that you had um released a single in 2020, so that's another reason I asked like if if there's anything going to build off that or um yeah. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to bring up um was this Instagram story that you had posted um, right before everything hit with quarantine and you were talking to your manager and he was kind of informing you that you were about to go on this big tour and you were jumping up and down and you were really excited and uh, I don't know why but I always like remember that because it was right before basically every everyone's tours got canceled and everything like that and it just kind of like affected me and um yeah so how was that? Actually,
2: yeah, I, w- I was super, super, super excited about that because it was a 20-city tour and it was a paid tour, my first tour, paid tour, so it was, like, literally everything I wanted at once, and it's, like, it just got taken from right under me, so as soon as the pandemic started, you know, obviously, things couldn't fall in place, so that was, like, really, really, really detrimental to me, like, that that kind of... I mean, I didn't let it really kill my vibe, but it sucked because I was so ready to like all my music that I just put out I was so ready. Like I had my dancers, my glam team, like, you know, I was ready to go. So it's kind of, it's, it's disappointing, but I mean, you know, it's, it's what's going to come with the game. You have ups and you have downs. So even though I had a good opportunity and it got taken away from me, I'm actually glad I got to get through that because then I knew I'm, I'm strong enough. Like, you know, I could do this.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those things, like, I don't know, um, it's like, you know when you're kind of manifesting your dreams and you're kind of waiting for, um, like the big thing to happen, and then all of a sudden just something like crashes and burns and like your house burns down or something, and you think, man, this is the end, this is like the end of the world, but then right after that, if you can get through it, then like you're hit with like all your dreams coming true, so, um... Yeah, so I'm kind of hoping that this that's what this is for um, all of us. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, some people that I talk to, like, about
2: even the pandemic and being on quarantine, they kind of say, like, it benefited them. Like, it was actually a good thing for them. You know, like, they got time to themselves. They found, a lot of people found new talents and stuff like that. Like, a bunch of females are doing nails now. Like, eyelash, like, a bunch of hidden talents like they never knew they had before for some people it was good like having the time to themselves like you know finding themselves like sometimes a bad area is good for people because then they come out with a bigger and better self you know so I definitely understand what you're saying
0: (laughs) yeah exactly and um, like we were talking about before I wasn't planning on doing this for women in stereo this is just something that came out of quarantine and uh I don't personally think that uh, I'm very good at this. It's kind of like something that I had to really step out of my comfort zone. And I really had to um, step up to the plate to do this because I was going to go to, like, live shows and show people around L.A. and, like, music around L.A., but, you know, that really can't happen anymore. So I had to um, reformat and do something completely different.
2: Yeah. But, I mean... As long as you have the mindset that, you know, like, something better will come eventually. I feel like, you know, it's going to come your way. You just got to stay positive. Like, you can't let stuff like this, like, really get to you and break you down, because it'll ruin you. <laughs> yeah, it really I mean, will ruin you.
0: I mean, there's definitely two mindsets that you can go into this with. You can just say, like, um, my life is destroyed. My year is destroyed. Everything's on pause. Everything sucks. Or you can take this time to kind of reevaluate really readjust learn some new talents like you were talking about and in the end hopefully um something bigger and better will come out of it exactly Mm -hmm. minor setback for me to come back yeah and i'm exactly circling back and circling back to your tour um yeah i mean it may be on pause right now but i know you're going to come back stronger and better you're probably going to have more planning done and uh yeah i can't wait i was telling dj hollywood Shout out to him who kind of introduced us. Um, I can't wait to see you live. I can't wait either. Shout out to DJ Hollywood. But I definitely can't wait either because that's my favorite
2: part of being an artist is the performance side.
1: Yeah. So
2: every time somebody has a chance to see me live, I get really, really excited because like I finally feel like I get to showcase my talent. It's one thing here hearing a song but like seeing someone perform it, it's like
0: oh it's a way different experience i love seeing um people live and it really makes it a breaks it for me because if they can um uh, get me tuned in to what they're doing and get the audience tuned into what they're doing um it's just like yeah they make you feel it
2: like you you literally feel everything that they're saying
0: yeah some artists that um i didn't even like particularly just listening to their album but then uh for some reason I ended up seeing them live and I was like, dang, they're good. You got the confirmation, like, yeah. Yeah. So you were saying when you were introducing yourself, you're called Bianca. Where did you come up with that name?
2: Um, well, actually, I started off as B X O. That's how I started off. <laughs> but I kind of felt like it wasn't really me. Like, you know, it's kind of corny. <laughs> and it wasn't really me. So I felt like I needed change, but I let it naturally happen. So after about like a year maybe of having that name is when I met my manager Mm -hmm. and we kind of came up with the name together. Like he said, he planted the seed of something like with an ankh, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, then we came up with the different spellings and there's really three meanings to it. The first meaning is obviously the play off of my real name, which is Bianca. It's just spelled differently. The second is Ankh, which is the purest, it means the purest form of life, which is the first album that I put out ever called Life, and we right. did that together, so I feel like it really, really meant a lot to me, and then Anka means shy, beautiful girl, and I feel like that describes me in my performance sense. I'm always like the person that's in the corner somewhere at the showcase. You see me, like I'm networking, I'm walking around, whatever, but... When I get on stage, it's like, oh, that was that girl over there? Like, she went crazy like that, you know? Like, wow, wow, wow. So I really like that. I like that factor.
0: Yeah, I see that about you a lot. Like, you're really kind of cool and laid back and chill. And then I've seen your live videos, and you just, like, bring it. (laughs) (laughs) Cool.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely – I'm, like, a social butterfly, but, like, I'm kind of shy at first. Like, I got to come out of it sometimes, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm the same way.
2: uh, We had the whole little awkward thing, like, oh, we're so good, and then we get in front of this, and it's like, "Uh, what do I say? (laughs) It's the same thing.
0: Yeah, it, like, works, but it doesn't in some way. (laughs) Okay, so let me get a fan question. Um, I have a couple, so I'll just jump around, do my own, and do theirs. Um, I have a couple from DJ Hollywood. Shout out to him because he wanted to uh, send some in. So first one from him is, uh, if you weren't doing music, What else would you want to
2: do? I'll probably be doing dancing, to be honest. Like, I don't really dance much anymore, but I started as a dancer. Like, when I was younger, I was in dance school. Like, I did ballet, I did tap, I did jazz, I did African, I did contemporary. So it's like, I had that in me already. I felt like I would have kept going if I wasn't reminded that I had a voice. My mom reminded me, like, let's not forget you can sing. And then you can show them, you know, you're a triple threat later, whatever. <laughs> but don't forget, you can start with the singing because then I feel like they'll really notice you. So I feel like if I was to fall back on anything, it'll probably be dancing. Because I can't really see myself doing anything that's not in the field of art in some sort of way. So maybe if I didn't find dancing, I might have found something. But I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm a performer. So yeah. it has to be something in that category in, in order to make me happy, you know?
0: That's really cool. Cool. So you you do incorporate dancing um, with your live show. I know I know that you said you had uh, dancers and stuff. Do you do any kind of choreographer with them, or are they just kind of in the background?
2: well I do it. I do it with them as well. Like you know, as much as I can, because obviously it's it's harder than it looks. You have to be singing, breathing, and dancing at the same time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that a lot of singers use like the backing track, but it's cool. You want to do like the dancing and the singing at the same time
2: yeah I actually right before the pandemic started I had a competition where it was my first time actually with my dancers live and that's where I sang I always whenever I perform I always sing live the only thing I have on the backtrack is my hook and my ad-libs that's right. about it Anything else I like to do live because like I said that's my favorite part so it's like I can't take away from that you know but there might be some instances where you know, when I get bigger and stuff like that and I'm really doing like a I need a full out dance and really perform, you know, maybe it'll be something like that. But I still feel like I'll stick in places where, okay, but I could breathe right here, so maybe I can sing that part. Like, you know, it's just something I, I like to do, so
0: Yeah, and I really love and, and respect the artists that do it that way. I mean, I know, um, it's okay to have kind of like a back and track, but if it's used for more of a filler or kind of a harmony Rather than you're just kind of depending on it. I really um, respect artists who can pull that off. The, hook, the hooks being there give you the breather too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it does give you a little bit of room to pause for a second and do like a really cool choreographer move or something like that. So, um, Yeah yeah something to stand out mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then there's this artists that like coast the whole way with the with the backing track the whole time Yo, yeah
2: yeah i feel like it
0: takes away from it yeah exactly what's sad about that though is a lot of those artists are um just so amazingly talented and they don't even need the backing track i feel like they're doing themselves a little bit of a a disservice by doing that because um I think that they're extremely talented, and they have great voices, and they don't really need it, but uh, I mean. And it's like, that's kind of like the the whole point of
2: you performing,
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah, being at a live show, and yeah, exactly. Because I feel like for that, they, they could have just listened to the song, like, you know? Yeah, I remember the uh, one of the first times I was really disappointed as, at a concert. I was a little kid, it was like this country show, I don't even know, uh, Kenny Chesney or something like that. Sorry to call you out, Kenny Chesney, but uh, he had this uh, backing track. Or not even a backing track. It was the track of the CD the whole time. And he sounded exactly like on the CD. And uh, and he didn't do no dancing or nothing. Like, he wouldn't a Britney Spears. He had no reason to have that. And you know that he can sing. So there's really no reason. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry to call you out, Kenny Chesney, but... <laughs> <laughs> why you just put it on the table right there for us i mean listen i don't care i i'm still small i can still curse and i can still call people out so it's fine (laughs) that's the best part so i want to know about your um recording process your writing process uh do you do you write your own songs i write all my own music dang really yeah do you have a certain producer you like to work with well, my manager actually
2: is a producer as well. He actually produced majority of my first project. I think everything except for one song. Um, he produces most of my music, but I also have other producers that I like to work with, like uh Blue Half, Beast on the Beat. Um, there's a couple of other people that I work with. Like I, I honestly I go based off of energy. Like I have certain producers that I know I work with for certain things. Like I have my manager kind of gives me like the little funky sound. Like I feel like like the little like out of the box sound. So I feel like when I want that, I'll go to him. I have another producer where he really brings the true like, like R&B out of me. Like every beat we come up with, you know, together. Like I come to him specifically when we're doing the R&B and I come with a melody and he just makes the beat right there based off of the melody. And we write, I write the song right there with him making the beat together. So it's literally building a whole entire song together from start to finish. That I like because then he comes up with dope harmonies and it just he knows my voice. So whoever I gravitate towards for whatever record I want, I feel like I have all of those at the moment. So
0: right, and that's cool because you have that trust. You can kind of throw back um, ideas back and forth, and exactly. That's really cool. I like that. I
2: also work with another producer named Turbo, and he just, he'll just send me stuff. Like, I can definitely hear you on this. Like, I feel like the producers just have to really pay attention. Because there's two types of all types of people, you know, videographers, producers, all of them. There's the ones that just do it because that's the job, they're just doing it. And it's the ones that live to do it.
0: Right, exactly. You have those ones that are just kind of there to, uh, do a job and do it their way and they have no interest in listening to you. And then there's the ones that, um, really want to flesh you out as an artist. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And i just pay attention to that based off energy. Okay. Okay. On to another fan question. He says, uh, okay, there's two in one. Beyonce or Rihanna,
2: Usher or Chris Brown? It's hard because I really love Beyonce and I really love Rihanna. And then I like Usher and I like Chris Brown. But I'm gonna have to go with Chris Brown for the second one. Definitely. It's it's hard, it's getting close, it's getting close. For the first one, hmm, that's so hard but i'm going to go with Beyonce. I feel like i have to. I feel like
0: <laughs> I feel like i have to. It's it's hard. I get your struggle because she's literally the queen of everything, so it's hard to pick a <laughs> like another artist over her. Over her, yeah. Yeah, like even though like you might like I don't know. I might like a little bit of Rihanna's songs better. But better. Yeah. That's see. why it's it's like it's literally like this. Do you ever do karaoke? I think I remember I tried to do a a Chris Brown song karaoke one time, and uh, I I just it out last minute because I was like, there's no freaky way. <laughs> I can't remember uh, what it was called, but it was the one with the uh, Busta Rhymes. <laughs> oh, it's it's super fast, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, uh, eh, no, I'm gonna get up there and I bust my ass and embarrass myself. So. <laughs> oh my god. Now, I've,
2: I've done karaoke before, but I feel like even though I'm a singer, it's still kind of hard for me. It's hard, right? Like, it's just, I feel like it's the pressure of knowing, like, that it's karaoke. It's like a, a pressure on you, and then it's like, all right, you feel like you're so good until the song starts, and it's like, damn, I can't even turn back now.
0: <laughs> and there's something about, also, when you're singing on the record with the hardest, you're singing along, your voice sounds way better. And then you try to sing alone and you're like what? <laughs> it's not the same. It's definitely Probably not, not same. for you
2: because you have a really good voice.
0: But <laughs> No, but I understand
2: I still understand where you're coming from because like I honestly like to harmonize a lot over like rappers, like rappers, especially like Drake. I harmonize over him a lot. So when I do it with him, it sounds so good. Like I love it. Oh my god, like this is the best harmony ever. But then when I do it by myself, it's not the same. Yeah, it sounds good because I'm a singer. But it's not the same as like like you said that sound of the speaker singing over the other artists,
0: yeah, I don't know it's something it's something about it, okay, um let me see, oh, this is something i wanted to i was gonna ask you anyway um, how are you doing during quarantine from syrup music I don't know i'm thing. pretty
2: yeah like, i'm pretty i'm I'm not really mad at what's going on i mean i hate what's going on and it's like so crazy to me but like i've just tried like i said before in the beginning not to really let it get to me Mm -hmm. like i couldn't let it stop the music i couldn't let it really stop anything because it stopped outside so it's like all i have is me and what i can do so it's like it sucks because you gotta social distance. You can't really be around all of your family like you want to, people like you want to. You know, things are closed down. You can't go places. Like it sucks. It really, really, really sucks. But like I said before, I w- I'm one of those people that I feel like I'm okay. Like it didn't, it didn't break me. That's good. Um, what about you though? Do you you think it? You think what do you think about the whole pandemic?
0: Yeah, it's definitely an adjustment. Uh, but I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, the same as you. Like, I'm pretty positive and generally pretty positive person and look on the brighter side of things. So it's, it's not going to break me in any sense. Um, but I will say that I am ready for it to kind of go back to normal. Like, I want to go see some live shows and everything. And um, but one thing that is kind of sticking to my head is I'm wondering what is going to be normal. Like, I know that China... Um, they wear masks like still to this day because of the SARS virus and everything like that. So I'm wondering, um, is that really gonna be like the rest of our lives? And it's just kind of hard not to know where we go from here. So that's one thing that not really bothering me, but I definitely think about it. Yeah, like is this what it's gonna be? Yeah. Yeah. So
2: that's I definitely have me. that Yeah. And it's like no one has the answer, so we're just waiting like kind of for the inevitable.
0: I'm one of those people that I really like answers. So I kinda just try to rack my brain, um, trying to find answers that really just don't exist yet and it kinda makes me like a little bit anxious. Knowing, like me too.
2: I hate not knowing.
0: Yeah, and even if it's like a, a bad answer, I still wanna know. Like I just wanna know um like where we're gonna be in six months. I wanna know
2: where we're gonna be in six months. I'm honestly ready to just find a new planet at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm over it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's just everything. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know. (laughs) I'm like, nothing can really cut out. It's literally everything, like
2: everything, everything.
0: 2020, man, I'm telling you. Um, But there's a lot of positives that came out of it, too. I mean, I feel like in a way, COVID was almost a catalyst for the, in a positive way, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, because... People were just so kinda pent up and in their in their house and uh kinda already angry and then this happened and boom, man, now we have all this going on. So it kind of helped it, I think, in a in a good way. I definitely
2: agree with that because I feel like if it wasn't for this, people would just, you know, turn the left cheek as they as they usually do. Mm-hmm. So it's like like you said, they're inside anger is bottling up and now they have time to go outside and really like try to make change like they can yeah. so I agree with that and like they said you know it's been happening forever it's just getting recorded now
0: oh yeah Yeah, for sure and another weird thing that's going on that's kind of maybe different from the stuff that's happened in the past is I feel like white people are really showing up to the party this time and and um I mean for whatever reason And it's weird to me because companies and certain people are almost acting like Black people just came out. Yeah, but
2: they act like, "Oh my God, did you like? Are you are you supporting too?" Because like this new thing that's going around, it's like it's a new thing.
0: Yeah, and it makes me. It almost makes me wonder about certain people's intentions or why they're doing it. But what I will say about that, um, before I rag on people too much, is uh, I think the best thing is that the message is still getting out there. Yeah, I feel like unless
2: it's like really negative affect negatively affecting it, then we shouldn't really like, you know, put too much pressure on it, you know?
0: As long as the message is getting out there, the good intentions are there. And I love that this is happening. Um, again, I mean, it's sad that when was the last protest? Like twenty five years ago? Yeah. About. Just about. And obviously unfortunately nothing really changed yeah but But I
2: mean it's I love to see it I just really hope and pray that it does something it should it is the right thing to do it should it should but knowing this world and everything that's going on you never know you just never, never know
0: I know and I'm my soul is just tired from watching people fight and it's so easy it may be naive or maybe too easy to say, like, "Why can't we just love each other?" Um, and it is too easy, but I wish it was that easy. Like, it should be that easy.
2: I do. Yeah. It's so it's so good to hear
0: that. Like, I I love when I have these
2: conversations with people and like they get it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it, it the same thing. It shouldn't be so hard to get, but for some reason, people just. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. <laughs> But that's what we were saying earlier. Um, at the end of all this, I hope 2020 is kind of a a catalyst for change and for better things to come. So I'm hoping. That's where the whole
2: everything happens for a reason comes into play.
0: Are you into, like, law of attraction or visualizing or anything like that?
2: Uh, the, no, actually. um, I haven't even read any. Every time I talk to people, they're always like, oh, my God, have you read this? Because you sound like that book. And have you read this? Because you sound like that book. And I'm like, no. I've heard that in, um, Rich Dad Poor Dad, I think it's called.
0: Okay. I haven't read that one.
2: Those two are – that one and Law of Attraction Those the two are always get. And I'm Yeah.
0: Um. Well, the reason I ask is because the last song on your album, it kind of goes into that, or it just reminded me of that. It's like, you know, you keep believing in yourself, you keep believing, and then eventually – um, you kind of get what you want, and get what's what's coming to you. So I thought that's a really cool message. I don't
2: know. No, definitely. My manager always, always talks about that song, and he's always saying that that that's definitely gonna be like one for the books. Like that's mm-hmm. like stadium type of thing.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. So when you think about songs of the past that people have really connected with, a lot of them have that message they're kind of like anthemic and they're kind of like you know believe in yourself and stuff like that so I totally get it I, I agree I'm glad you like it because I feel like everyone that co-signs
2: him always makes me feel better about the song because I was questionable I'm always questionable like I'm like my biggest critic so
0: oh yeah I understand that but no it, it's amazing I love that song thank you <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay let's do another fan question I try to like um spread them out like do my own and do these and i don't know oh um rhett from houston hey rhett wants to know um do you play any instruments i actually do play the piano okay
2: yeah i don't play like i could read from like i could read a sheet of music Mm -hmm. but i play like i can teach myself like off of a youtube video the chords and then i can do it you know like, I play songs and stuff like that, like other songs. Like, I play, like, a Bruno Mars song, a Rihanna song. It's actually on my Instagram, too. I sing and I played um, my keyboard at that time. but I think
0: Yeah, um, that's something that I've been trying to do in quarantine is I've been trying to learn a little bit more guitar. I've been trying to learn guitar for the last 20 years. <laughs> oh, my God, I want
2: to know how to play guitar so bad. So bad. So- I actually played flute in um, high school. I oh, okay. the flute.
0: So you were kind of musical beyond singing and stuff
2: like that? That's what I'm saying. It's always something. Like, it's so weird. Because I actually liked it. Like, we had to do it. It was a class that we had to do because I was in a, a school for, like, music and stuff like that. But um, I actually liked playing the flute. Like, it was something that I enjoyed. I don't know if I would have followed through with it. I don't know. But What was this, in
0: uh, high school, in, in the band?
2: It was, like, a, a band class that we all had to take, like, as freshmen. Was that where you got started in music? Well, actually, I started with the keyboard and stuff like that. I'd made a a song. I wrote a song. I was probably, like, maybe 13, I think. I think I was, like, 13 when I I first wrote that song. And after that, like, my mom definitely, like I said, she pushed me, like, in that direction. But I would say in high school is when I first started singing in front of other people. Before... You can never, ever, ever, ever catch me singing with anybody. If I did, you literally had to sit there and my back was turned to you and I was singing the other way. Like, I'm not even facing you singing. I can't look at your face. Nothing like that. So, mm-hmm. um, in high school, I sang um for the Tana show and I also was a part of a vocal group. It was called Varsity Voices and that's where I learned how to harmonize and stuff like that because I was... And they had me in alto a little bit and sometimes soprano because my head voice, I could go off really high sometimes. So, so that was definitely what started me into, like, the performing lives and stuff like that.
0: So how did you discover that you could sing? Was it one of those things, like, they caught you one day and was like, oh, you should join this uh, singing group or whatever it was? Because I would, like,
2: post videos on Facebook and stuff like that when I was in high school. And, you know, like, the school's kind of small and the teachers were, like, close with the students and stuff like that. So they knew and I was really cool like with one teacher and like he knew I could sing like that. He actually started getting me like gigs and um to open up like for comedy shows and stuff like that. And he was a part of the team where I met someone who introduced me to my manager. So it's just crazy how everything just like fell into place. But I would sing like here and there, but, you know, I was scared. So I didn't really I didn't really want to, you know, I didn't really want to perform in front of people. I wasn't really with it.
0: <laughs> so you originally had some stage fright? Yeah. How'd you get over it? I kind of guess I
2: just grew up, I want to say. Because I went to, I went to, in 2013, I think it was, my mom took me and we did X-Factor, audition for X-Factor. And I actually got to the point where, the point right before you go to the celebrity judges and stuff like that, oh, and my- that, that, I thought, was going to be scary for me. My mom was super, super nervous for me. But, like, for some weird reason, like, I don't know. I just took it so serious. And I just, I, like, I was good. Like, I was able to do it. And after that, I was performing in school all the time. Like, I was always, I was fine with it. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just woke up one day on, like, an epiphany type of vibe. And I just was, like, I can sing in front of people. Like, I said, I just could do it. I wish I could tell you that I had, like, a talk for myself or something, but
0: it <laughs> kind of happened. So was that when you realized, like, this is what I want to do for a living? Because I have, like, VHS tapes of me singing. That's, That's cool that you found your gift kind of um, early on. I know you mentioned your mom was uh, the one kind of pushed you towards that was she the one that was kind of um pushing you towards that career
2: because she kept reminding me remember I told you I was dancing a lot so she kept kind of reminding me like you remember you sing right don't forget you sing like every chance she had and I'm like mom I want to dance right now I want to do this I want to do that but mom I, I definitely don't give her enough credit she definitely pushed me a lot a lot a lot and I just I was singing mostly like on on social media platforms and stuff like that and I would just have friends supporting me. Like, the first time I went to the studio was with um, two of my friends. They just would always see my singing videos and they're like, I'm paying for a session for you. You're getting in the studio now. <laughs> thank me later.
0: That's amazing that you were so good that you just had people that were like, no, you're doing this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to this day, I, I always speak to those people. And I'm just like,
2: I, I thank you so much. Like, thank you for real. Because you pushed me to get in the studio, and I've loved it ever since that first day I went to the studio. I've loved it ever since. So,
0: where are you from? Did you grow up in a smaller town? Oh, so I'm from the Bronx,
2: New York. And I actually, I want to say I, I grew up in a small town, like the Bronx. We always say it's a small world because everybody knows each other, right? But it's, to me, it's kind of it's kind of big. You know, it's small, <laughs> but it's big. You know, so um, I just I guess my environment kind of added to it because I have like this little spiciness and this little like aggressiveness and every girl that you meet from the Bronx will definitely have that spiciness and that aggressiveness so I feel like that definitely played a role in my music and in me just as a person and as a whole
0: so that I definitely I loved it so so that's cool it kind of inspired or where you're from kind of inspired you and your music did you have any artists that
2: inspired you musically? Definitely would say probably mostly singing-wise, you know i But as far as writing, I'd probably say like Tink or Jasmine Sullivan around those vibes as far as writing. Um, also like more so coming up and stuff like that, um, Kehlani, I've really, really, I've watched her since like um, Tumblr days. And I've just, just the lyrics, the way they write, I've always loved that. So I definitely would say they inspire my writing. But singing-wise, Beyoncé, obviously, she was like a powerhouse. So if anybody wanted to, if you was a singer, you wanted to sing like (laughs) Beyoncé. Okay, okay, let's
0: get another uh, fan question. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, hey, here's a good one. How would you describe your sound To someone who is seeing you for the first time, from Zach in New York City, definitely say "grown and
2: soothing." Grown, because I, I feel like everyone, yeah, grown and soothing. Because everyone always tells me that my voice doesn't really sound how they would expect me to sound. Like they always tell me that I sound older than I look. So that's why I say "grown" and I say "soothing" because I feel like. My songs are mostly, like, vibes. Like, you know, it's for whatever mood or whatever vibe, you know? So I feel like that's a that's a soothing quality to me.
0: That's one thing I like about you is you can't really um, pigeonhole you or your music. You have a little bit of um, soul. You have a little bit of hip-hop. You have a little bit of um, R&B. Yeah,
2: I have a rap song.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I, so I love how you um, mix genres and i love how it works for you because a lot of artists you'll see kind of trying to do that and it just doesn't work and it just sounds kind of messy and all over the place but you pull it off so well and um i really respect that it's good to hear that everything i want to come out of this and for people to
2: see they actually see so it really makes me feel good
0: i mean it's definitely working for me and i noticed that you have a pretty strong following too Um, but i actually
2: i i was a part of like an independent label at one at one point, And you know, that gave me a little bit more quote unquote clout.
0: And you're not with them anymore,
2: right? But we would take, no, we would take trips to Miami and things like that and do promotions and stuff. So it definitely helped.
0: That's cool. So um, are you trying to get on another label or are you trying to go more the, the independent route?
2: I am i trying to stay independent. You know, people just go their separate ways, so.
0: That's kind of just
2: what happens.
0: And I mean, a lot of the time, that's the best thing artists can do is kind of go independent nowadays. And I'm not going to sit here and rag on labels, but they are pushing artists to go the more generic route. So if you want to do something different and be your own and have your own voice, um, you definitely have a better time of that going independent. So I really respect anybody who goes that route.
2: Don't even do artist development like they used to back in the day. Now they just want to eat off whatever platform you've built for yourself. And it's like they just make you into this
0: generic version, just like you said. Right, exactly. And it's uh, really crazy because um, back in the day, artists would have three, four albums out before they even broke because the label would, instead of just making like kind of, Picking off, Like, I feel like people... They go on Instagram or they go to, uh, you know, artists that are already having, like, big shows or whatever, and they're, like, cherry-picking them and just expecting them to make them money, whereas before, it was, like, artists could have the whole careers ahead of them that the label just kind of um, predicted and really developed that career. So um, it is a, a much different world today it's it's completely exactly like i love talking about um what the the record label industry is doing to artists nowadays like how many artists out there do you see with the? Uh, and i'm not ragging on them because it's not their fault um like a generic black and white video on youtube with like the like a top 40 cover song that they just had to cover because their label told them to do it it's just so funny i could talk about it I could talk about it forever. I hear you. Trust me, I hear you. Um, but yeah. But I don't want to get too into it because like I said, it could go on forever. So we're gonna do another fan question. Um let's see. Oh, Brandon wants to know where do you see yourself or where do you see your career in ten years? Brandon, that is a long <laughs> ten years is a long time. Ten years, wow. Ten, 10 years is a long from time. Now. But okay. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's a long time. Um Wow! I will hope. No, let me not even. I will hope by then, I'd be. You're Beyonce by then. That tell you. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> ten years. That's a long time. In ten years, I'm hoping I got a Grammy by that point. Ten years from now. Wow. Because then I'll be like about thirteen years into it. Fourteen years at that time. That's a long time. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like
0: three, five years. Exactly. Thanks <laughs> so <Next up>, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, Brandon's got some high hopes for you. Let me tell you. <laughs> but let me tell you what, you definitely have the talent and the drive to, to make it 10 years in the future. So I'm going to be there when you get your Grammy. Yeah, I'm going to be like, remember we spoke about this? <laughs> all right, Bianca, um, I'm going to let you go. I think that's all I got for you. I don't. Well, I have more, but I don't want to keep you. I think, I mean, how long has it been? It, it's been like an hour, I think. That though, that was, that was a good conversation, though. Yeah, it's been like an hour. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to keep you uh too much longer and take too much of your time. But uh yeah, that's how I know it's been a good um conversation and a good interview is when it just flies by like that. So thank you so much for that. Thank
2: really- you. I appreciate you since the beginning featuring me and your stuff. And now I'm your second interview. Like, that's dope. Thank you.
0: You know, and speaking of that, I wanted to say one more thing. Um, After I did that, after I featured you, um, because I didn't really know, I mean, I had just started Women in Stereo, and, um, actually, DJ Hollywood had reached out to me, and he was really cool, like, no prerogative of his own, he was just like, hey, here's some female artists to check out, you might want to feature them, whatever, and I did, and you were one of them, and then, um, I watched your videos, and I kinda, and then I featured you, and I kind of took a step back after that and was like, you know what? I'm doing something really cool here. And- See, that that's, that's so dope, though. That's so dope. Definitely continue. I think this is going to be something
2: really, really dope for you. And yeah. it's good because it's a female thing. Females doing it. <laughs>
0: yeah, thank you. I mean, that's kind of what I'm all about. Just kind of uplifting other women and girl power. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on and talking and uh, this was a cool conversation. I really appreciate it.
2: No problem. If any anything else, you know, you could just hit me up in the DM. Oh,
0: yeah, and uh please continue to send me anything you got, any new music. Um I wanna continue to support you and feature you. I'm a fan for life. I wanna see you win that Grammy. <laughs>
2: oh, thank you so much. <laughs>
0: I'll definitely I'll definitely send it away. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye Bianca. Well, thank you. Have a blessed day.
2: Enjoy.